Hello and welcome to the Knoll Sports Podcast. This is Carter Carls. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, and Florida State football is off today from preseason camp. Uh, they have already had six preseason practices, if you can believe it or not. And I thought this off day would be a good chance for me to just kind of unload my thoughts on the team and, uh, and, and let you guys know what I've kind of thought so far. Um, I'm actually headed to a wedding uh, starting tomorrow, so I'll be out of town for the next uh, couple practices. So I wanted to just take this time, give some thoughts. Uh, and the way I'm going to kind of structure this, um, I feel like so far there's been some reasons for optimism. You know, the last two seasons, obviously been rough, 8-13, and 13, below 500, all that. I think Florida State has positioned themselves – better now than they have in previous seasons to get over the hump, to, to be over 500. Last year, lots of coin flip games. I mean, clearly it started with Notre Dame and, and Jacksonville State. Uh, they easily could have been a seven-win team last year. Uh, easily could have been bowl eligible. They let a couple games slip away. This year, lots of coin flip games. And I think they're in a better position now to, to win a couple more of those. I'm predicting a 7-5 and five season for now. I'm reserving the right to change that, just depending on how the rest of camp goes. But because of that, having said all that, I want to kind of structure this podcast, kind of my six reasons for optimism. Six reasons after six practices. Uh, sports writers, we love to be corny with our uh, ways we structure things. So thought I'd do it that way. Without further ado... Uh, here's kind of what I think. Um, you know, thought number one, I just really like what I've seen in the trenches. Um, Florida State, historically, not had many great offensive lines in, in recent memory. And especially in previous years, they've had one of the worst offensive lines uh, in the ACC and, and really in Power Five. Uh, this year, is the you know kind of the first time where we're seeing them really turn the corner. We saw what happened last year with how much the injuries kind of plagued Florida State in their offensive line. I talked with Dylan Gibbons about this a, a month or two ago, and he's telling me, you know, I, I'm like the only solidified guy last year at left guard, and everyone else around me. <laughs> changed every 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 game I mean it, it was a different lineup seemingly every game with all the injuries and and it wasn't great they just you know they already didn't feel amazing about their starting a line last year but it was really bad once some some guys went down so this year they have a lot more insurance they've added 10 new guys four transfers six high school players and they just have better Insurance, for a lack of a better term. So, you know, if Darius Washington goes down, they have a guy who they can fill him in with. If, if Robert Scott goes down, they're in a better position. Yeah, it won't be great. It still won't be great. But they're in a better position now than they were previously. Um, defensive line, also in a great spot. You know, obviously, they, they lost two big guys and, and Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson, and I think the defensive end position will take a step back this year. Uh, but I really like where they're at 
uh, particularly a defensive tackle, and just to show you how much their defensive tackle position is is great this year, they were willing to move one of their best players at that position, Dennis Briggs, to Fox this offseason. You know, Briggs, Briggs is a unique player, kind of small for a D tackle, and he still made a difference there. Kind of big for D end, but he can make a difference there, and that's why they're moving him to Fox. But that shows you how good they feel about Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, you know, two All-ACC honorable mention guys last season, and their backups. I mean, I think Malcolm Ray um, is one heck of a, ba- a backup uh, one heck of a backup at defensive tackle. Um, I think there are reasons for optimism uh, with with Jared Verse, Briggs, and and Derek McClendon. Um, I think maybe where they may struggle is defending the run. I, I think uh, Jared Verse has really impressed me with his speed. Uh, I've said this a million times, but we we talked to the DC Adam Fuller a couple months ago, and he told us. This is the fastest defensive end I've ever coached. And you see it. You saw him match Jordan Travis, one of the fastest players on the team, stride for stride on the sideline. Um, you see him with that that first step. Um, really impressive. Now with Verse, I'm not expecting him to have anything close to what Jermaine Johnson did last season. I think the room for him to improve is you know, defending the run developing a few more pass rush moves. He's still just a little bit raw technically, but I think he has all the right intangibles. And you got to remember, he's a redshirt sophomore. This is only his third year playing college football, first year playing FCS football. So I still believe he has a lot of room to grow. By the end of his time year, certainly he could be, you know, a, a first team all ACC kind of player. I just wouldn't put those expectations on him this year. Because he still has that room to grow. Then uh, obviously, I think Darren McClendon and, and uh, Dennis Briggs, they give you some nice second and third options at, at DN. Those are, are guys who can be productive. But I think the defensive tackle position is what gonna, what's going to carry this group. Uh, and, and so, anyways, just wrapping up that first point, you build college football programs first in the trenches. And... Yeah, I think Florida State fans, you can get impatient about, hey, it's year three. Like, we want a winning season. But when you look at where this roster is now compared to where it was when Mike Norvell compared, uh, you know, inherited it, the trenches are better, and they're in a great position to continue to to be good. I mean, you look at uh, freshmen like Julian Armella and Bishop Thomas, two different sides of the ball. I think Florida State has, you know, through Alex Atkins – John Papuchas and, and Odell Hagens, they've really stockpiled uh, in the trenches. It's been what they're by far the best at with recruiting. Um, I think outside of the trenches, it hasn't been amazing. But again, you, you build your program through the trenches and they've done a good job there. All right, reason number two, I think the passing game will take another step. Um, I don't know if it'll be a, a big step, but I think they'll be better for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, I, I think we've seen a couple guys be those options that can can win one-on-one matchups. Uh, in the spring, it was Micah Pittman. 
Uh, for a guy who's about 5'10", 203 pounds, he's pretty dang strong and, and physical and uh, just what you need to win those contested balls. He, he really uh, it surprised me how large his catch radius was because he'd be going up against a, a DB and wouldn't be open at all. And he would somehow haul in some crazy uh, pass uh, despite kind of securing the ball from a really awkward angle and, and having a guy breathing down his neck. So I was really impressed with that. I was impressed with his position versatility. I think he's someone who can play in the slot and outside. Um, and then a couple other guys, Johnny Wilson, Malik McClain, they've, they've really come on this preseason. They've just been a lot better with not just creating separation, but coming down with those one-on-one balls. And I think when you look at this off, look at this offense the last few years, they've really missed having that that in their offense. That you know, winning one-on-one matchups, taking shots down the field. This has been one of the worst offenses when it comes to passing plays of 30, 30 yards or longer. Um, so having a couple options in there that that can be that, I, I think, is good. Um, and I think it's something that Jordan Travis has, has taken this offseason and, and worked on. In camp, we've seen him really hit on those kind of back shoulder throws and one-on-one throws down the field. He just seems to have better timing, better ball placement. Uh, you have four transfers this offseason, but he has pretty good chemistry with, with, with you know, the three that are healthy, Span, Johnny Wilson, and Micah Pittman. Uh so I like where that part of the offense is. Um, if I was going to give a, a slight reason for pessimism, still don't think they really have that number one option. I, I just, you know, I had the pleasure of, of covering uh, Notre Dame for three seasons and got to see quite a few practices. And each year you would see that alpha. One year it was Miles Boykin who went on to get drafted by the Ravens. Another year it was Chase Claypool, who got drafted pretty high by the Steelers. You could tell every single practice that those guys were the alpha. Every practice, one-on-one, seven-on-sevens, 11-on-elevens. And it's not just one type of catch. It's it's being, you know, multiple. It's, you know, catching a slant, catching a go, you know, having a good block. Uh, missing tackles in the open space. They could do all those things. Florida State doesn't really have that guy. They don't have a guy who can consistently create separation, consistently win a jump ball, uh, and consistently just be someone who shows up. Um, What I like about this receiver room as compared to previous years, they've added more if this is a word, multiplicity to the room. It, you know, when you add a guy like Johnny Wilson, 6'7", 235 pounds, at least he's pretty good at a couple things, right? He's great blocker. And he, he's a guy who has such a large catch radius that he can be very effective in the red zone and on those kind of back shoulder throw situations. No, he, yeah, he may, he might may have some drop issues. And yeah... He may not be an absolute burner, 
But at least he's good at a couple really good – you know, he's really good at a couple things. And so I think Florida State, they knew they couldn't, you know, reinvent the wheel at wide receiver in one offseason. So they went and got some guys, you know, a deuce span. This is someone who moved from quarterback to wide receiver before last season at the University of Illinois. He's a very fast, very athletic guy, but he just doesn't fully – have the technique, the nuances of wide receiver yet. But with the athleticism and the and the length and the and the uh you know just speed that he has, he can be somebody eventually. You know, having some some high upside guys doesn't hurt. And I think Florida State has done a, a pretty good job hitting the transfer portal. And I think all four of the guys that they got this offseason the receiver all bring something different, all bring positive, you know, things. And, uh, you know, they belong in, in Power 5 football. So I think that's important to note. When you look at the passing game this year, I think it's better. I don't think it's significantly better, but it's better. And I think that's, you know, obviously what you look for. Number three, Trey Benson. By far the best running back on this team. And I think a lot of people on the beat, uh, I, I think they're not quite ready to make that proclamation because he has the injury history, right? And, you know, they've, they've had one practice in full pads so far the, this preseason. And they've got some pretty dang good options at running back. Treshawn Ward and, and Lawrence Tofili, even the freshman Ronnie Hill, has, has, has looked uh, pretty good this offseason. But to me, the eye test, watching the spring game, watching the padded practices, what we got to see in the spring, and then watching what he's like in, in 11 on 11 now, he's just so much different than the other guys. He's six foot one, 215 pounds. I think the next heaviest guy in that running back room. He's 190 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. He's just so much more powerful and, and, and better between the tackles to start, right? So those short yardage situations, I really like him in those situations. But on top of that, he's got speed and explosiveness. Uh, I think Lawrence Toafili has that as well. Um, and and Treshawn Ward... He's a real shifty guy in the open field. Uh, Trey Trey Benson, what makes him a little bit different is just his way of getting to the edge, bursting through a hole. Uh, You know, when he's one-on-one with a safety, how he can, you know, uh, just kind of almost go around him or, or do one cut, you know? Like, it's just different, man. And we talked to him, and he said... Yeah, I want to be the first 1,000-yard rusher since uh, since Cam Akers in 2019 for Florida State. I, I don't see that, if I'm being honest, um, for a couple reasons. There have been 13 1,000-yard rushers in Florida State history. And when, when I looked at each of them, sort of the minimum requirement – was that they'd had to have at least 170 carries. Only person that did not 
meet that requirement was work done. We all know what that man could do. So you're asking Trey Benson to have at least 170 carries this season. But Florida State really likes its other running backs. And Jordan Travis is a running quarterback. Or dual threat quarterback, I should say. So you have a lot of guys that are going to eat into that carry count. Um, so is it possible? Could Trey Benson get a thousand yards? Sure. But if I had to, if I had to predict it right now, I I wouldn't say so. Now, what I'm curious about is what that usage will look like. Because what happens if against LSU, first drive, he's got a 40 yard touchdown. Duquesne, he's got 12 carries for 150 yards, two touchdowns. You got to play the best players. You can't play a guy 30% of the time, 40% of the time, if he's by far the best guy. If this is someone who truly is capable of being a 1,000-yard rusher for you, you got to play him. And I think what's good for Florida State is they like to be really multiple at, at running back. They like to do the two-back sets. Uh, Treshawn Ward's a great pass catcher. Lawrence Toffili is a guy who has top-end speed and athleticism. So I think they can put all those guys on the field at the same time, or at least two of them, and you know, kind of maximize their opportunities. And I think because this wide receiving room, because the tight end room isn't up to snuff just yet, you want to have your running backs in. If you feel really confident about them, you got to get them on the field. So I'm just I'm curious what the usage will look like this season because to me, if Benson shows early that yeah, he's he's something else, you, you got to play him a lot. And you talk to a lot of these players on the team, they all tell you, like, you don't even know, man. Like, you, you guys don't even know how good this guy is. That, that's been kind of the sentiment that they've been saying ever really since that spring game when he broke out. They've been saying, you guys just wait. Like, he, he's going to make a name for himself this season. So that will be interesting to watch. Uh, fourth thing. Another reason for optimism, I think for the first time since 2017, this team will rank in the top 50 in pass efficiency defense. Kind of crazy to think about when you think about all the great DBs that Florida State's had, especially prior to 2017, right? Uh, in that in that Jimbo Fisher era uh, and before, but. I think this is the year where they kind of crack in. They, I, th- I believe they're 55th last year. Before that, they were in the 90s. Uh, so they, they did make that jump. But but this year, uh, I, I really like what I've seen from the secondary. So first of all, just kind of getting it out of the way. We, we know what Jamie Robinson is, right? Great player. First team all ACC. First team all ACC. Um, by all accounts, he should be first team All ACC again. Um, great player, and and 
so yeah, yeah, we just we, we're getting that part out of the way. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. What is a surprise, at least to a certain extent, is I believe Akeem Dent, if healthy and and you know, uh, if all things kind of go accordingly, I think he could be an All ACC player. Uh, might be a surprise to folks. I don't. I don't I'm not really sure, but. Um, He's just really looked apart this offseason. You know, he, the last three games of the season, last season, he really came on. He was someone who came to Florida State as a five-star recruit. He was the highest-ranked player in his recruiting class at Florida State. But he just never lived up to it. You, you, you saw it, though. I mean, you saw the athleticism. You saw the range. You, you, you see him every now and then make a big play and you say, oh, yeah, that's Akeem Dent, that five-star recruit, right? But just couldn't be consistent. And you, you also saw the position switches, right? Cornerback, safety, cornerback, safety. It's hard to really be comfortable in a defense when you're changing coaches, you're, you're changing defensive schemes, and you're changing positions, so it's understandable why it took a while for him to come on. So we see it last season, right? We, we see you know him get the interception against Miami, all that good stuff. Well, you, you begin to wonder, is, is this an anomaly? Is, is this just you know good end of the season kind of thing? In the spring, he was one of the best players on the defense. He's a true ball hawk. He's, he's really got a nose for the football. Good at tracking the ball, uh, great ball skills, um, just a playmaker, right? And I liked, I really liked how he ended the spring. Now, we we talked with Marcus Woodson, I, I believe it was Friday, and he mentioned you know Jamie and and Akeem have been out right with with minor injuries, so. Will be interesting to see what they look like toward the end of preseason, how how much that hampered them, and um, but I don't expect that to be a, a big issue. Cornerback is where I'm really intrigued to see where this position group goes. So the reason being, cornerback, I, they returned two of their three starters, Amarian Cooper, Kevin Knowles. They lost their third in Jarvis Brownlee. But as the spring went by, Brownlee leaving wasn't really that big of a deal. No, they didn't really have a cemented guy at field. Renardo Green was kind of their guy at the end of the spring. But if anything, he was just as good, if not better, than Brownlee uh, in the spring. And and that was because, kind of similar to Akeem Dent, he had... The position switches, um, you know, when we talked to Marcus Woodson with, with Renard Green early in his career, just just not super mature, couldn't handle the position switches and the and the injuries well. Then he became a father, you know, got a little bit older, got more mature, and he just really settled in at that position this offseason. But not only do you have Renard Green being the best he's been, but you've also got <laughs> Azaria Thomas, man. AZ, right? Um, wow. I mean, it, 
I, I probably should have been point number one for me uh, because he's someone who, from the first time he practiced with Florida State, first practice in the spring, in March, immediately passed the eye test, immediately flashed. We knew he was going to be a great player. But you know, sometimes when you're a freshman, you struggle, and, uh, you struggle with a couple things, right? You, ah, you know, I, recognizing routes and matching up with the best receivers and tackling and space and learning the playbook, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that can be a problem with a lot of freshman DBs. He's picked all of that stuff up. Um, you know, I mentioned the Notre Dame thing. I'm not comparing him to this guy, but uh, I just remember I covered Kyle Hamilton, who was a, a first round pick at, at the Ravens. And I remember the first preseason practice he ever had he had three interceptions, and everyone just lost their minds. It was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is just unreal. But in his first year, he was a backup because they had two guys, Jalen Elliott, Loey Gilman, uh, two guys who went on to the league. Uh, and so Kyle Hamilton was more of a guy they used in dime packages, and uh, he, they would rotate them every few series. And then once those guys left, he became that top dog. But I mention this because you could just tell right away that there was something different about that guy. And the same thing can be said for AZ Thomas. You tell right away, this guy's different than every single defensive, or not defense, but, but cornerback in the room. Whether that means he's a starter, whether that means he's a star this year, we don't know because, again, freshman and Marcus Woodson even mentioned, right, he's got he's to pick up the, the physical parts of the game. He's got to pick up, you know, the, the tackling aspect of the game. And so, you know, when I hear that, my natural response is, well, just put him at field corner because – when you're the boundary guy or you're the nickel, you're handling more of that run run support responsibility. When you're the field cornerback, you're really just covering guy a, a guy in space, right? And I think he's exceptional at that. He's got the length and the ball skills and the anticipation to really disrupt passes and 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 larger receivers. He's got the loose hips to kind of turn and change direction and keep up with those quicker guys. And he's exceptional with route recognition. And what that means is he can look at a wide receiver and based off how he's moving, he can kind of tell what's going to happen, right? And you've seen that where he's jumped on quite a few passes. He's he's had two picks on routes to the flat that he jumped. I think there's been a couple others that he dropped. Um, so, you know, the reason why, going back to my original point, I've been blabbering on and on about this, but the original point was top 50 in pass efficiency. And why that is, is they've got two all ACC caliber safeties, by my estimation. Uh, they returned two of the three cornerbacks, and the third spot is either going to be, you know, one of Renato Green, 
maybe AZ Thomas. Uh, they just brought Malik Feaster in. And I think the depth at those positions are better, right? At safety, Shaheen Brown has really flashed. At cornerback, you've seen um, you, you've seen a lot of the backups flash. They've even moved Jerry and Jones to nickel. Uh, I guess he's more cross-training nickel and, and boundary. But uh, he's looked better at that position. So I, I think they're bullish with this group. And top 50, that's not asking a lot. You know, that, that's still pretty, pretty average. So uh, above average maybe, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's where they'll end up. Okay, the fifth, the fifth this kind of leads into the fifth point. I don't think the defense has a ton of just overwhelming weaknesses. We talked about the defensive line. I think maybe where you're critical of that is, okay, if Jared Verse doesn't come on like we think he will, if Derek McClendon doesn't come on, I mean, Dennis Briggs, there, there's questions at the defensive end position, no doubt. Um, and they will not come close to where they, where they were at the defensive end last year. But with the defensive tackles and the improved DN uh, a DB unit and an improved linebacking unit, I think they can kind of mask those deficiencies that they may have. To the linebacking unit, I mean, I think there's a reason why Jamie Robinson led this team in tackles last year. Certainly that had a lot to do with him, but it also had to do where they were at linebacker for you know stretches of the season. Then they went and added Tatum Bethune, a guy who's proven, right? All all AAC second team player for UCF. He's looked the part. Uh, really like him. And then the other guys in that room have, have taken a step forward. Kalen Deloach, we've seen it from him playing a lot last season. Uh, he improved. He he definitely looks like a much better player than what where he was before last season. DJ Lundy dropped like, what, 20 pounds? Totally different uh, player. And I think Amari Gaynor is another guy who's impressed in this preseason. They've got uh, more multiplicity, right? They need three linebackers. They need two linebackers. They're pretty set there. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I When I look at this defense, I just don't know if they're going to get gashed in one way or another. I, I don't think this is a top 25 defense or anything like that, but... I think they're going to be above average in, in most respects. Okay, point number six. I think the return game will be better this year. Couldn't get much worse <laughs> last season. This season, they've got more guys in the fold. Kickoff return. Uh, I was watching AZ Thomas the other day. I, I really liked what I saw just with his kind of natural ability. Uh, we, we talked about the ball hawk, right, the, the tracking the ball. He's really good at tracking the ball in the air. And that's really important in the kickoff game with, with fair catches and watching the ball go out of bounds and, you know, where you kneel it and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff can be really important. Not to mention he's, he's a fluid athlete in space. Uh, I really like him. Trey Benson is another guy who's returned kicks. I don't necessarily agree with that move, but I think it like, and and the reason being is he, he has very limited experience in that regard. 
He has only returned one kick since his senior year of high school. Um, I have no doubt that he has the speed and all that. Uh, but if he's going to be your leading rusher and he's got an injury history, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right move there. Um, punt returning. Micah Pittman was a pretty good punt, or punt returner at Oregon. So I just I, overall, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a world-beating group. You would have liked to see Winston Wright be 100% healthy and ready to go because I think he would have taken this kickoff game to another level. He's a pretty dang good kickoff returner at West Virginia. Not having him hurts, but I think they're better. So those are my six points. Um, wanted, to, wanted to touch on a couple more things before I end, end my uh, blabbering, as I call it. I have a story coming out in the Tallahassee Democrat ranking the transfers. It's a historic call for Florida State. 13 transfers this offseason. And Florida State has been very aggressive in the transfer portal under Mike Norvell. And they've done a very good job in the transfer portal under Mike Norvell. You look at this group, and what I like is... You know, you, you don't want to have guys that you're just like, yeah, this guy will never play. <laughs> you know, they don't really have that in this group. All of them are at least serviceable backups. They also have a good blend of like varying degrees of, of the caliber of player and like what they bring. Right. So, you've, you know, I broke this down into five tiers. There's the star player tier. That's the guys who you know are going to be the, some of the best players on the team. You've got the second tier is the quality contributor. They, they can be a starter. Maybe they're a rotational guy, but they're going to be pretty good for their position group. The third, um, I actually dedicated this one to Johnny Wilson. It's just intriguing wild card. I had no idea. I couldn't put him in any group because he could be a top three transfer for this team. Or he may not even be in the you know top eight, so kind of kind of hard to project him a little bit. Uh, put, put put him in his own category. The fourth one is that they could be good, but we'll see. Guys who, yeah, they might start, but I don't know yet. Uh, I'm not sure. And then the final one is just kind of your insurance group. They're guys that I don't know if they're gonna start, but if if you know things hit the fan, they, they can step in and we'll and we'll see. Or they're a good project, you know. Uh, so I'm just gonna break this down really quick. My number one, there there are three players in the in the star player tier. That's number one, Jared Verse. Number two, Trey Benson, and number three, Tatum Bethune. Verse, I felt like, was the obvious choice. He was the number two defensive end in the transfer portal. He has certainly showed he's one of he's a top five player on this team. Um, still some questions with him. Want to see him translated to the, this fall, obviously. But I think he's really reinvigorated the position group. Uh, uh, you know, and what I mean by that is. <laughs> 
They were in a very vulnerable position this offseason after losing Johnson and Thomas. Adding him reinvigorated them because it, it makes them better than they would have been otherwise. And he's just got this infectious energy about him. So I put him at one, two, kind of a hot take. Um, definitely a lower floor than a lot of guys that are lower than him. But his ceiling, I just I love it. And that's Trey Benson. Um, no, I don't know if he'll be a 1,000-yard rusher this season. But uh, I think he just adds something that this running back room didn't previously have. Three is Tatum Bethune. I think he's got the highest floor out of anybody on this list. He's a guy who I think it's between him and J.B. Robinson who will lead this team in tackles. And I just think he's someone who you know is going to be a great player. Um, will he be an all-ACC guy? Um, will he be, you know, really, really good? I, I don't know. But I think he'll at least be pretty good. All right, the next group, quality contributors. Four, I put Micah Pittman. You know, someone who, you know, has a, has a chance to start this year, has a chance to really break in and be the best transfer out of the, the four transfers that came in. Um, and he's very versatile, gives you a lot of different things. But will he have 800 yards, eight touchdowns, ton of catches? I, I don't know yet. There's just so many guys that are getting targets in the room that I don't know. Like, I just don't know if he's that number one alpha kind of guy. But I think he's at the very least a quality contributor, and that's why I put him at the top of that list. Number five, I put Bless Harris. He was sort of hard to, to rank because, you know, in the spring, started at right tackle and really held his own. But there's been a lot of additions on this offensive line, and I don't know how that's going to shake out. You obviously had Darius Washington, who's pretty experienced as an offensive tackle, played left and right tackle, lined up at guard in the spring, then comes down with an injury, misses the spring game. He's back now. But where is his future? Because they added some guys who I I would believe project at right guard. Uh, Like Demetri Emanuel, someone who... I mean, you, you're just looking at the offensive line. You, it's no secret. The left side's pretty set. It's left tackle, Robert Scott. Left guard, Dylan Gibbons. Center, pretty well documented. Two-man battle, Caden Lyles, Maurice Smith, both those guys. Right side, I have no idea. And Bless Harris, the reason I put him at five is I just I like what he – I like what he has shown having come from the FCS level. You know, last time he played was the spring of 2021. So the fact that he's making a pretty solid impression right away, I think that kind of speaks volume. And I think he's also a guy who, if he's a backup, he'll be one of your first guys that you plug in because he can play both guard positions. He can play right tackle. Um, So I I like him there. Six... That's the intriguing wild card, Johnny Wilson. Have no idea what we're going to see from this season, but he's been much better this preseason. The drops and all the concerns he had in the spring, there's been less of that. There's been there've been some of it, but less of it this preseason. Uh, certainly gives something to this offense that they have not had. 
uh, very unique prospect. Um, he is capable. I mean, uh, like he could lead this team or be second in the team in receiving touchdowns. I'm just not banking on that. I'm putting it at number six because when you're not consistent, I just don't know. I don't know. Like how long of a lease you're going to have, especially how many receivers are in this room. Uh, I think he'll be great to have on the field for the running game. He's an exceptional blocker. Um, he'll be great in the red zone. But is he someone who's going to get 50-plus snaps every game? I have no idea. All right. Next one, they could be good. But we'll see. Dimitri, uh, Dimitri Emanuel's at number seven. Uh, he's one of the shortest offensive linemen on the team. He's 6'2", 300. But he's really physically built in the in the upper body. He's got you know some beefy arms, big chest. I like the strength that he has. He he just looks like a great guard when you when you look at him. And he certainly was great for Charlotte. He also played for Alex Atkins previously. That's a plus. I think he. I've always said this. I think he's capable of starting at right guard. But we're just going to see. What are they going to do with Darius and Bless? And I have no idea. Uh, number eight, hardest guy to rank, Winston Wright. Suffers the you know car accident, leg injury in uh, March. Really unfortunate. And it's been pretty awesome just seeing him back on the field. Uh, like, you know, everyone's taking videos of him uh, to start the preseason kind of in stretches and stuff like that. Um, That's been good to see, but we just don't know what he's going to be this year. Even if he is a guy who comes back in a full capacity, will he still be the same guy that he was? Last year, he got second team Big 12 recognition. So, you know, he's the only player on the roster who has more than 400 receiving yards in a season. But will he be that player this season? I have no idea. So I had a tough time ranking this guy. I put him eighth, kind of middle of the pack. And I put him in that tier of they could be good, we'll see. Ninth, I got Caden Lyles. Um, I kind of expected him to do more in the spring, but I kind of understood why, why it took him some time, right? When you're a center, you gotta just you have to know so much, and you can't come in right away and, and be be you know be a, a top dog right away. I was talking with Dylan Gibbons about this. He's like, I was with the second team, my you know f- you know first time at Florida State. Like I had to kind of earn that role, and I don't think uh, I, we haven't seen transfers just come in and immediately be like the number one guy. Like they, they, they kind of want you to earn it first. Uh, whether Lyles does that this spring, I have no idea. And I think Maurice Smith has taken the right steps. He's gained a, almost 20 pounds this offseason. I like where he's at physically. He knows the offense really well. But he's got those injury concerns. And he's got Lyles behind him. And Lyles has a lot of experience. 34 games at Wisconsin, 16 starts. He's significantly bigger, 315 pounds. Marie Smith is 288 pounds. So what happens there? I'm not sure. 
Biles, by the end of this season, could be much higher on this list, but he could also be lower. But end of the day, Florida State has an option if Maurice Smith goes down. Last year, I don't know if that could really be said. This year, they do. Um, if Maurice Smith ends up being that guy, they do have a guy behind him who's capable. Last tier, insurance, right? This one was kind of interchangeable. Four guys who um, certainly have upside, but I don't know if they'll be featured, right? First one was Justin Turntine, the offensive tackle transfer from South Carolina. Uh, he joined the team this summer, just like uh, Dimitri Emmanuel did. I rank him ahead of all the other four guys in this tier because he very well may be could. <laughs> he very well could. I can't English. Uh, he very well could be the first left tackle off the bench. Now, I'm, I, that's speculation. That's not me breaking any news. It's just if Robert Scott goes down, who, who is the next guy? This guy's 6'7", 336 pounds. He started, you know, 10 games at left tackle against AC, or SEC competition. Um, no, we didn't fare well, but when you have a guy with that size and you have a guy with that experience, he could be that first guy off the bench. Um, he could maybe even play right tackle as well. So that'll, that'll be something worth monitoring. Deuce Span, I put him at number 11. Also a little bit challenging to rank because in the spring, didn't really see much from him. But in the preseason, wow. I, he he may be the biggest surprise of the preseason. May, maybe that's too reactionary, but through three, six preseason practices, he is really flashed. Um, he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. He's 6'4", 203, got the length. It's just, I don't know if he quite has the nuances of the game just yet. And there's a lot of receivers in that room. So I I don't know if this late push from him can earn him a featured role. I, I have no idea. So, yeah, he's at 11. I could look really dumb for that. But if I were to just project this guy, a guy who played quarterback until last year, I think he needs one more season to kind of get over that hump, learn, learn the technique, all that. And then I think 2023 is going to be his year. Number 12, I put Malik Feaster. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what this guy's going to be. Uh, but what I can tell you is I think Florida State, they feel pretty good about where their cornerback position is. But it's their depth that had been kind of, uh, you know, heading into this offseason, especially Jarvis Brownlee leaving. I don't know. I don't know. Well, this is someone who's played a lot of games at Jacksonville State. He's someone who has played boundary corner and could play nickel. And I don't know if Florida State has had just a, a dominating or, or, or a great boundary quarterback beyond Duke Cooper. It's been Duke Cooper, and then uh, I don't know. I don't know who his backup would be. And so, you know, this could be a guy who who's the number two behind him, or it could be another option at nickel. Um, gives you the link at six foot at one eighty five. Gives you some good physicality. 
Again, plays a lot of boundary cornerback at Jacksonville State. Will be interesting to see what he becomes. Only one year, though. He's a graduate transfer. So, no, kind of, kind of, I don't know. I, I, we'll see. But him, him joining the team late in preseason camp or even the middle of it, it, it definitely kind of hurts him a little bit. He's got to learn the system a lot. It, it's, 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 um, that's not, that's not a super easy thing to do. Uh, last, I put Grady Vance, the Louisville cornerback. But just because he's last doesn't mean that, you know, he hasn't been impressive in certain moments. There have been times where he's made some good plays. Um, just sort of a hot and cold player to me. Um, he'll get penalized a lot. But... You know, for holding and in defensive pass interference. But, 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 he does have great experience. 17 games, nine starts at Louisville. He's a guy who started against ACC competition. He has versatility. He can play field. He can play nickel. Um, but I, I, I just think Florida State has better guys at those positions. Uh, and, and these rankings, if I didn't already mention, they're for this season and this season alone. So, anyway, that's how I divided them. Um, I don't know. I, I just felt like you had to put them in tiers. And some of them are pretty hard to rank, and I'm probably going to look pretty dumb. But it's fun to rank them. So, that, that's kind of where I stand. All right. Last part of this. Questions from, from Twitter. I asked for, you know, a few questions. Uh so, first one comes from my guy, TJ Pittinger. Uh, he asked me, a lot of talk about special teams. How has kicking and punting looked at camp? Uh, I think that's, you know, the talk he's referring to is sort of the, <laughs> the comments Mike Norvell made last practice. It's pretty, pretty harsh against the... Uh, Against the special teams, I think a lot of that had to do with one play in particular. They're lining up for a field goal. You know, the, the snap was uh, was off, and or maybe it was the hold. I didn't get a, the best look at it, but it just it, it looked pretty rough. And not only that, but Kevin Knowles comes running in and scoops and scores it. So, not not what you want to see. I mean. Uh, Sometimes the special teams on the defense isn't even going that hard in those simulated situations. So for that to happen, it's kind of like, oh, boy. Um, As far as kicking and punting, uh, I mean, I think they're they're in a decent spot. I mean, Alex Mastromano, he's not bad. He's been pretty good with – what is it? He only has like one touchback. Since his like first game or something, like he he's been pretty good about keeping it out of the end zone. Uh, and Ryan Fitzgerald, he's been pretty good with uh, accuracy. And in camp, you know he's he's made. Remember one day he made a forty-seven yarder, made a fifty. He's not a huge leg, not 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 gonna just drill it, but he's got pretty good accuracy. Started the season, you know, had that kick against Notre Dame, but after that he kind of settled down and. Uh, he 
he ended up having a pretty good accurate season when it comes to 40, 40 yards, uh, in, inside 40 yards. So to me, I think, I think the special teams, I'm bullish a little bit just because I think they're better at returning this year. Um, and they've worked a lot on special teams. I mean, when we watch practice, uh, again, I, I, I've watched a couple other major programs practice. I don't know if I've seen a program practice as much as special teams as Florida State. Uh, I think that speaks to kind of their priorities and the fact that they want to improve in that regard. Um, okay, a couple other questions. How does the team feel about being picked fifth in the division? This comes from Paul Scanling at PS, PS, uh, or P. Scanley. Um, at being picked fifth, I, you know, I, it's, I don't know if we straight up asked them about it, but I think they definitely feel better about that. Uh, or they feel, they feel like they're going to be better than that. Reason being, since you know, 2017, I believe, every team that's finished fifth or lower in the ACC Atlantic division has been below 500. Uh, and so I don't think Florida State thinks they're going to go below 500. I mean, last year you look alone, just look at the games like Notre Dame and Jacksonville State and Clemson. There are a lot of coin flip kind of games that they easily could have won seven games. And this season, they've improved in a couple key areas to where I think they think this is a time where they're going to win at least six or seven games. So the schedule was not super friendly, in my opinion, but I do think they have a good chance of getting to bowl eligible and being above 500. They could be a seven and six team by the end of this year. I think you, you're optimistic that the program's at least trending the right the direction. And I, it might be baby steps, but at least they're trending the right direction, uh, which hasn't been said about any team this place in, in you know, a few years. So I think they feel better about that. All right, next question from Cecil Batiste at Batiste. Uh, Cecil, I'm expecting the wide receivers to be a strength this year. Uh, that isn't a question, but that's where my mind is. I'm curious about the linebackers too. Are we running a four-two-five as a base defense? I am not expecting the wide receivers to be a strength this year. Um, they're better. They've got better options. They've got more depth. They've got more multiple, multi- multiplicity. I think I've just invented that word, but they've got more of, of that, but they don't have a number one option. They don't have a consistent guy there who every practice is dominating. Uh, I like Malik McLean's growth. I like what I've seen from Johnny Wilson in this camp. You know, we've seen Micah Pittman have his moments, a couple others, but they're just not dominating. Okay, as far as the linebackers, I think they feel good about that group. I think they can, you know, be they, – they, they are a four-two-five, right, because they play Kevin Knowles – you know, he's going to play 600 snaps this season, right? Or whoever starts at nickel will. That's a position that, you know, we talked with Adam Fuller before the preseason. He said, you know, that's a starting position for us. Nickel, uh, a lot of times it's just a third down, obvious pass situation kind of defense. But 
for this team, it's a starting position. It's their base. So your starting linebackers, in the spring, we saw Tatum Bethune and Kalen DeLoach, but you've also got DJ Lundy, who's made significant strides, and you got Amari Gaynor, who's had a pretty good preseason camp. Um, and I think you can, you know, be multiple. You can have a 4-3 when you know, you know, it's a, a third and one or, a, you know, goal line. Like, when you want to defend the run a little bit better, you can have three linebackers on the field. They feel a lot more comfortable about that. Um, a couple other questions, but kind of I mean, we're up to about an hour almost of, of me just uh, yammering on and on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there. Uh, like I said, th- this story about the transfers will be online tomorrow morning, uh, Thursday morning. You can find our work at www.tallahassee.com. You can follow us at Twitter at Knowles Sports, Facebook, Instagram, Knowles Sports. Uh, Again, I'm at Carter Carls on Twitter. You can follow us there. We'll be out of town the next few days. I'm actually making a best man speech. So uh, any tips there, would love love any advice. I have no idea. I have not even prepared anything, which probably shows I I shouldn't be the best man. But we're going to see. We're going to see how that goes. Uh, one other thing I'll mention, uh, I when I first got the job at the Democrat, I was kind of thinking, man, we don't have podcast music. So I've, I've been looking in, I've, I've been scouring the interwebs for, for podcast music, and the two different genres I'm between are, it's like there there's a bunch of music that's just like college football band songs, like drum lines and like just fight songy kind of songs and then there's just like the cool vibe songs like just the cool like hip-hop or like you know just just like a cool song that's catchy so i'm stuck i have no idea which one's better do i pick the college football band kind of song or do i pick the catchy song so any advice there would love to hear your feedback tweet at us email at us um whatever but again find a work at tallahassee.com Really appreciate you guys following us. Really appreciate you guys listening to me for an hour. And hopefully uh, this has been informative and enjoyable. And with that, uh, it's been another edition of the No Sports Podcast. And we thank you for listening.